Here we are. We are uh, back. This is Death by Footnote, and this is our month one wrap up and our discussion uh, deeper dive into the Industrial Revolution. So first off, uh, how did you guys feel about month one? Now that the stories are all done, they've been out. We've been getting the the raving fans pounding at our front doors <laughs> oh, yes, yes. all hours of the of the morning. <laughs> I think you know when you start a new project, it's always it's always a phase of figuring out what the heck you're doing like the pilot episode is always like characters are different and people are different <laughs> like, and then you kind of settle in so you know we're i think we're going to take a pass on like voting for this first month because we were just like trying to figure things out and uh you mean we all tied for first yes, place yes well yeah. that's pretty good we had someone in first and then two of us tied for second so Ah, awesome. <laughs> you said there was no voting. <laughs> I didn't say there was no winner. Oh, oh okay. True. It's just that there's no democracy. Yeah. Oh, so yes, I, I spent the last week and of course, debating who should win. I'm just happy to have gotten first place. <laughs> so more specifically, the Industrial Revolution, we were talking about inventions of the Industrial Revolution. That's right. So I'm curious, what led you to pick the inventions that you picked? Yours was the light bulb. The light bulb. Or the carbon filament. More specifically, I don't know. Or is it just the light bulb? Well, it started as the light bulb. And then okay. as you know, you dive into the research, you realize like, oh, the light bulb was not. I mean, it was kind of an industrial revolution mm -hmm. invention, but it was really a, a, around for much longer. So, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, like uh, Edison's carbon filament, more particular. But um, yeah, I just thought it was pretty quintessential. You know what I mean? It's like kind of that air gas lamps are turning into to other lamps. <laughs> and uh, so, I, yeah, I just thought that was a pretty good like symbol for the era. I also was disappointed with myself for choosing that <laughs> in the same way Jerem like refused to do like do the cliche horror ending mm -hmm. for his story. <laughs> I felt like I copped out in some ways by choosing a light bulb because it's like, a light bulb yeah. come on but uh but it was fun hopefully it was you know like a, like a pretty good take um i'm trying to remember if i had another invention that i considered but then but then didn't choose um and i don't i don't know if i did i was looking a little bit into like medicine at the time mm -hmm. which was very crazy mm -hmm. um so here's like a fun it, I, the medicine of, of the industrial revolution time period is too crazy to believe <laughs> and i know this because in my in my first or this is my, i guess my third novel it took place during this kind of gas lamp era mm -hmm. and um i had to dive deep into cancer research for like one of the plot points one of the characters I think I mentioned cancer and I had readers that were upset by this. They're like, I didn't do cancer treatments back then. And <laughs> cancer like, wasn't invented yet. Yeah, exactly. There's like cancer was, wasn't born until the fifties, you know, <laughs> when we did the atom bomb. Um, but like the truth of it was much more horrific. And I discovered mm. they were trying cancer surgeries like as early as you know, late 19th century mm. and like even maybe mid 19th century. And 
the survival rate for these surgeries was around, you know, 20, 25%. And so it was very much a last ditch effort. And it's like a very grisly thing to think about. Um, so I considered going some medicine route at one point, but then I was like, nah, light bulbs. <laughs> light bulbs. <laughs> that's, that's the winner, light bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> Jerem, yeah. you found a very interesting invention though, the delusion mousetrap. Oh yeah. I was yeah. gonna try to find one to buy for you as a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Used. That would be a great reminder of my harrowing situation. Yeah, you know, I was stuck in capitalism. I'm trapped in the rat so trap. Spooky. Of America. <laughs> I was hoping to find one with like rat brains still like the remains of rat brains used, still yes. in the thing. Oh yes. The ones that weren't yeah. devoured by the other rats so, trapped in there. So this is a very specific design of rat trap. So what mm -hmm. led you to be like, oh, look, like, how did you discover? Yeah, so that? I actually did not discover the delusion mousetrap first. My first mousetrap discovery was um, a very different design that was patented by some guy in Texas um, that involved a Colt revolver. <laughs> I've seen that. Yes, I've yes. Seen that so when they shot the no, rat, so it's you literally rake a the revolver, revolver <laughs> to shoot when the rat pushes yeah, like, that's a what I mean. It's like a yeah, The gun goes up. It's literally but, just like a six shooter sitting on a trap yes and wait you take the cheese and it just fires. but wait, it's wait. just a gun but wait this was a guy in texas who invented this i know <laughs> crazy I no know. i don't believe how, it how can it come out of texas the texans texans are the best they know they understand home security like no one else does got a rat i got an answer better yet though this um this cult mouse trap uh, which seems a little ramshackle, but you know, surprisingly sophisticated, right? You could <laughs> rig this to fire when a door opened. Uh, so you could, it could be a mouse trap, it could be a people trap. Oh my gosh. If you know, you're like sleeping and you think the posse's on your trail, you can rig the trap so oh it'll go gosh. off when the door opens. Booby trap. It's multi use. It's every cowboy's best friend. <laughs> I'm, having, so. I'm having law school flashbacks because there was a case, legal case, about a guy who had. He had like a property, a, a building on his property that was not his main dwelling. And so he was worried about squatters. They rigged a shotgun booby trap in there. Oh my god! And like blew this person's you know arm off or something like that. And Whoa. it turns out you're not allowed to set lethal booby traps around your property. <laughs> and, and really? It's just a thing we don't really like in, in the continent of the United <laughs> States. So anyway. Sorry, continue. Well, you know? Okay, so dubious legality as far as the, the door application. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember when the case was. Maybe this was pre that. So yeah, the Colt yeah. mousetrap is still fair game to like, you know, get yeah. all those suitors yeah, of your daughter off your administration. Maybe the law came into effect after the Colt mousetrap was patented. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, this wait, doesn't wait, wait. be all right. Yeah, exactly. Hold on. Uh, but yeah, so that was my initial, uh, kind of the initial trap that I encountered in, when I first like forayed into this topic. And then the delusion mousetrap got me thinking about people. And that's my real hook when it comes to history. That's why I love <laughs> okay. studying this stuff. The social dimension of it is what really gets me. And, and so when we were talking about people in the industrial revolution. Of course, my mind went straight to immigrants and <laughs> their, uh, you know, their, their role in um, the economic explosion that happened mm -hmm. at the end of the 19th century. You know, and they're being caught up with the, the robber barons and the Gilded Age and all of that. Yeah. Kind of, oh, corporate corruption. I was like, whoa, no, corporate corruption, nothing is scarier than that. <laughs> and then we got into uh, what I came up with. Uh, but the, the characters in my story are, um, um, 
they are immigrants from Bohemia, mm -hmm. uh, which is a part of Czechoslovakia. That's what we'd call it right now. Yeah. Uh, and in 1866, there's a, the Austro-Prussian War, yeah. which displaced a ton of Bohemian people. Um, and I don't remember why the war started. There's some kind of like geopolitical intrigue happening in obscure parts of Denmark with oh, like yeah. the Austrians and the Prussians are like feuding over who has sovereignty in this like obscure region in Denmark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this war broke out and a bunch of um, Bohemian people came to New York and up there. Um, and a lot of them got into cigar making. Um, oh, mostly, so that, that was like a, an accurate, legitimate. Yeah, and, it wasn't just a random. Hey, yeah, roll um, cigar. And it was actually cigars. a lot of um, Bohemian women that got involved in the cigar industry. And this is because um, cigars are one of those products that we associate with men mm -hmm. that have been produced by women for a really long mm. time. Um, beer is another one of those things. Sure. Um, and of course, the reason why women historically have made those things is because they require a ton of expertise, a lot of skill and a lot of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and the general idea is that um, women would have the time to, to really um, sort of master those skills. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then you have um, innovations. Um, the historian Judith M. Bennett did a lot of great work on this in the 90s uh, with beer making. Um, particularly. But um, what, what happens is there's usually some kind of technological innovation in the process of making these things that makes it much more convenient. Like with beer, we had hops that came into oh, yeah. play, right? Uh, which made beer easier to transport, um, easier to store. Um, and as soon as that happens, men come in and take over the industry, right? Mm. And they usually relegate women to um, kind of the lower echelons of the business um, in that way. So men will become kind of the business owners and then women will become the people who deliver the beer, you know, or who work in the alehouses, right? right? Who actually make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But they're still involved. And, and I think this is super important because when we think about women in history, we tend to associate them with their sexuality, um, their chastity, right? And we think of the patriarchy and sort of how women have been historically oppressed, yeah. which is... Definitely not something that I push back on at all. But there is this sense that women have participated in the economic sector yeah. of the societies that they live in. And they've always done that, right? Um, and been able to, to do that and, and found ways to be involved in, in business, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost like any his, like historical period um, like female character, you would just have a, a headscarf on them and an apron and they're doing the wash. Yeah. And it's like probably yeah. much more true to what happens nowadays where it's like, yes, the homemakers are making homes in addition to this other amazing passion or, or expertise or work that they're doing at the yeah. same time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's, that's very interesting. So uh, that's what really led me to um, cigar makers in New York. Um, that was a big thing. And I put it in the year 1877 because later that summer, the cigar makers in New York actually staged a, um, and a strike. They went on strike that year for better working conditions, um, this was the this was the, the first pitch for Disney's Newsies. Right. They shut it down. Get your cigars. <laughs> <laughs> ah, cigars are good. We need something a little more family friendly. <laughs> Papers. We already, Great. We already did cigars in Pinocchio, and that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, so um, it's really interesting. Uh, another thing. So as we're kind of getting may, maybe getting a little deeper into the cigar maker idea, um, it wasn't just women who made cigars. Of course, um, there is, of course, John Reese did his series, How the Other Half Lives, right, where he photographed 
uh, mm. people living in tenements and sort of the life of the urban poor oh, yeah. in the industrial age New York. Uh, but you'll see that they are in a cramped tenement house. It's so um, cramped. Yeah, just it's, terrible. It is insanely cramped. It looks like a train box car or something. It almost, does. Because you're just, mm-hmm. they're like bunked in there. Yeah. And, yeah. and it looks even that feeling of like, it's like a tightness submarine. and smallness and that kind of yeah. claustrophobic sort of feelings is, is accentuated by the fact that they're cramming all of their possessions in yeah. that room, right? That they There's brought like, with them. Yeah. Like a, a, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. It's it's in it's just it defies the senses to really contemplate these conditions, right? And um they would stay in there for, you know, 17 hour shifts, 7 days a week. Jeez. They're making cigar after cigar. Um they'd usually divide the labor between members of the family uh, cuz you know, I don't know a ton about the process of making a cigar, but from what I understand, you got to cut some leaves and you got to roll them up and the rolling up is the really hard part. Uh <laughs> and uh Anyway, so they divide the labor among the family, and that's where they'd be day after day, rolling those cigars. Um, the reason why they did that is because um, there's actually more money to be made rolling cigars than there was in textile factories or other oh, places. Yeah. And that's because rolling cigars requires that level of skill um, that you know somebody flipping switches in a factory wouldn't need to develop. Like it's right? just going to be sweltering hot. Like oh, unbearably. Like so yeah. hot, and the smell was probably just horrendous but you just lived with it and oh man i don't whenever i think about history i have to just kind of i mean people must have become nose blind oh yeah right right Mm -hmm. like because like oh i think about all of the great romantic historical stories i mean historical romance is a huge genre of literature you know and and we just we don't talk about the smell. We don't right. talk about the smell. Right. One of those large dances in a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> yeah. It's like the B.O. in there. It would <laughs> had to be. We don't talk about Mr. Darcy's power. It would true. knock yeah. out a modern audience. Yeah. I mean, now that I've said that out loud, I'm glad we don't talk about Mr. Darcy's pits. But <laughs> well, I mean, sure. I, the the body odor situation, I'm sure, differed by economic class. Yeah. So maybe. Yes, Mr. Darcy would have access to colognes and perfumes. Yes, I don't know the history of the antiperspirant, though. <laughs> Which and is next month's. Next month's. Yeah, right. next month. We're all writing a spooky <laughs> story about <laughs> antiperspirant. <laughs> Stop, it's too horrifying to contemplate. <laughs> it's too horrifying. And all of them had sweaty pits. Oh, no! <laughs> um, but yeah, all of, all of those romances just blossomed amidst sometimes... What what may have Terrible been at odor. best covered up just <laughs> rancid odor, and, well, too, and you had like markets like yeah. just butchering animals in the street kind of thing. It was yeah. just like no refrigeration. This is the other thing we so often ignore, and I see this a lot, especially when we start like slapping labels on areas in history. Mm. Uh, one thing that bothers me with a lot of historical fiction is we seem to think that. Uh, fashion is really clearly like this is 1880s fashion this is 1890s fashion Mm -hmm. and i think about myself in modern day with our fast fashion clothing that's made so cheaply and wears out so fast but i think i've got a 15 year old jacket like in my closet Yeah. yeah absolutely and and probably way more expendable income to update those things and so so i think about these just really quirky bits of these historical periods and Victorians in particular just were so weird 
And the fact they would buy fancy rats is does not surprise me at all. Oh no, that is a very Victorian thing to do. Yeah. I don't know. People have just been people, even though. But we look back and feel like they were super different. Yeah. And it's just like, no, their situation was very different, sure. And like the technology and the political climate. But like, I don't feel like we have new emotions that they didn't have or. Yeah. Letting historical like narratives determine personalities and things like that really is such a detriment and a disservice to the people right. who have come before. Right. Who have experienced like all of the emotions that we experience and. That's nice. Well, okay. Guys, month one was great. Next month is coming up. The theme, uh, we did the randomizer. Oh, yes. We spun the wheel. We spun the wheel. (laughs) Uh, The literary theme is fish out of water. Okay. And the historical era is the medieval era. Social life in medieval medieval towns. Oh my gosh. Social life in medieval towns. Which is one of my favorite topics ever, by the way. And I can't wait Wait, for all of you to hear my story because it's extremely (laughs) weird. But I think you would expect expect anything. This is a story about a boy, a girl, and their social life (laughs) in a medieval medieval town. town. (laughs) We gotta talk to you about your titles, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be really fun. I'm gonna start dancing to our musical outro. Yeah. Also, we got that now. by the way, I'm so sorry for all of you Czechoslovakians out there who had to read. They had to listen to me reading Czechoslovakian. It was terrible. Oh, you did have some interesting accents. Your German was great too. You Thanks. stopped your read in the middle to say you couldn't do a German accent. Ah, uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I forgot I did that. <laughs> but you're right. It was great. All right. See you next week. Bye.